A listener note. This podcast contains very strong language. Forgotten stories of football. Dundee United's glory years under Jim McLean. How a unique manager, tactical genius, bully, visionary and absolute bampot brought unimaginable success in the 1980s. Written by Daniel Harris. Part 2. Forgotten Stories of Football from The Guardian In part one of Dundee United's glory years under Jim McLean, which we'd recommend you listen to first if you haven't already, we heard about the early years of McLean's terse tyranny at Dundee. How this tactical genius extracted the maximum from less than stellar talents. How McLean celebrated Dundee United's first ever league title by taking his first ever sip of champagne live on grandstand. And how Dundee United's 1984 European Cup run was halted by a controversial and violent semi-final against Roma. Finding your perfect home was hard. But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Forgotten Stories of Football Dundee United's Glory Years under Jim McLean Also in 1984, United's board appointed McLean director. Though given he was already a dictator, it barely mattered. Two more third places followed, along with odd goal defeats in the Cups. By this time, Thatcherism was seriously biting in Dundee. Traditionally famed for jute, jam and journalism, most particularly the Beano and the Dandy, severe unemployment had begun the long process of turning the famous City of Discovery into the independence referendum's Yes City. So people sought solace in their football and happily found plenty of it. In the summer of 1986, Richard Goff left for Tottenham the first such departure since Grey, with Jim McAnally, Ian Ferguson, Ian Redford and Dave Bowman arriving. Meanwhile, more prominent roles were taken by John Clark, a converted defender who joined the club aged 12, and Kevin Gallagher, a young winger. By January, he had replaced Milne, who was suffering with alcoholism. But this was not his only problem. 
Success had in no way mellowed Crocodile Dundee United, whose relationship with Milne had been on the wane for some time. As early as 1983, the player had been quoted for taking things too easy, and in the summer of 1984 was seen talking to Brian Clough after a friendly against Nottingham Forest. Of course, the only feasible explanation was that he was trying to engineer a transfer. There followed a succession of fines for minor infractions, such that he took labouring work to satisfy his mortgage repayments, and which, added to his addiction issues, led to his eventual departure. There is no doubt at all, I was ruthless about keeping players, McLean said. The club paid me to bring them success, and that's what I was after in retaining and developing young players. That was my first and only task in life, to get them, if I could, to the top. Perhaps so, but those out of the team were stuck. When Alex Taylor found himself idling, his father felt he had no choice but to drop by the ground for a fool and frank Rami, and McLean employed other tactics too, such as keeping approaches for players secret, renegotiating terms when he knew they were happy, and administering a deeply incentivised salary structure. Everyone was paid a small basic wage, livable and no more, which, as Archie McPherson notes in Flower of Scotland, was just as beneficial to the health of the squad as a Mediterranean diet or daily press-ups. Where at Rangers it was £750 a week with £28 for a win, at United it was £125 a week with £600 for a win. On the one hand, players had to fight for their money. On the other, a bad run left them struggling to pay the bills. Perhaps McLean was parsimonious because of his own loyalty to the club. Fifteen times I was offered better wages, he said. But mainly, he was just that kind of rage. Similarly, he would often hector his players the night before a game, demanding they come to the phone to prove they weren't out. Whatever you've heard, said Ferguson. If you multiply it by ten, you're not even close. Because he got results, the players respected him. But that was where it ended. Everyone was treated the same, said Malpass. Everyone was battered with the same brush. And Bowman concurred. You could never say, oh, he's one of wee Jim's favourites, or he's a favourite of wee Jim, because everyone was treated the same. He was an absolute fucking bampot. McLean's half-time and full-time paddies were legion. He would totally lose it. And there was nothing to be gained from listening to him, said Malpass. When McLean employed a psychologist, a groundbreaking move, likewise his use of a dietitian well before they were popular, it transpired that the team's biggest problem was his reaction to things going wrong. So, to the players' delight, he agreed to stay out of the dressing room post-match and because he was a man of his word, kept to it. You're getting the finger in the face in the shower when you're trying to wash yourself, recalled Bowman. There was, though, an upside to all of this. We linked up against them in a way, said Malpas. We wanted to protect each other, and the only way we'd be shielded from his anger was to go out and play for each other and win. He might even have known that that was a good psychological ploy for him. It certainly worked. This also helped engender a fierce accountability. We had experienced players who would literally punch you if you weren't doing the right things, said Malpass. There was none of this molly coddling. You got a whack. On McLean's instruction, the squad all stayed in the city, giving them a sense of ownership and kinship. 
and they were also inspired by his love for the club. He'd be cutting the grass, he'd be fixing the door hinges, he'd be making the tea, he'd be picking the team, said Bannon. He treated it like his house. Going around, turning lights off, said McAnally. And he was similarly pathological when it came to the actual game. A football pervert, reckoned Malpass. While all players received personal attention, training sessions tended to focus on attacking the opposition penalty box, which also worked well for defenders. They became really intelligent, said McLean. For instance, they made sure the forwards didn't just get in front of them when crosses were coming in. At the start of 1986-87, McLean was especially keen to do well in the UEFA Cup. With English clubs banned and few outstanding teams elsewhere, he sensed an opportunity, though United might have gone out immediately. Drawn against Lons, they escaped the first leg with a 1-0 deficit, thanks only to some atrocious finishing. A 2-0 win at Tannadice remedied the situation. Next came a home game with Romania's Universitata Craiova, who were beaten 3-0. Prior to the return, the players were appalled by the poverty that they encountered so distributed crisps and juice in true Scottish style, before a 1-0 defeat sent them into round three. Hadjuk's split were then seen away, facilitating a quarter-final against the Barcelona of Terry Venables, Gary Lineker and Mark Hughes. The night before the first leg, to be played at Tannadice, STV screened a programme about United, during which McLean was filmed sitting in a glass-fronted box, Ranting into a telephone. Tell Gordon he's having an absolute nightmare. He must get him stirred up. Get Bannon stirred up. And, most famously, get Bannon off. Get Bannon off. Get Bannon off. This led to Bannon, ill and only on the pitch as a favour, having the refrain shouted at him in the street for weeks afterwards. That was the only time he came to me and apologised about anything, he recalled. Most revealing was McLean in a quieter moment. We've all got our faults. And make no mistake, I'd love to have more personality than I have. But I enjoy myself when we win now and again and play well. I don't enjoy myself when we win and not have played well, but I wish that's one of the changes I would like to make in my makeup. But at the end of the day, we are what we are, and we've just got to get on with it. And get on with it, United did. A goal up within two minutes after Gallagher side-footed a volley into the left side netting from just outside the box down the right. To this day, no one knows if I meant it or not. And I think it's going to carry on that way, he said, years later. While on the very same TV show, his mates laughed at the mere suggestion that it was intentional. At home, United played what Sturrock termed a typical Scottish style. European teams could not handle it, he said. They expected a nice-nicey game where everybody passed the ball to each other and they crossed the halfway line and it got a wee bit quicker. We were in their face. We let them throw it out and we were pounding down on them. They wanted games to be over. The first leg finished 1-0. Though before the return, United's domestic form suffered. They went from two points to six points off the top of the league and needed a late penalty to scrounge a home cup draw with Forfar but they travelled to Spain in good heart, training in the reserve stadium next door to Camp Nou, whose 25,000 capacity was significantly more than Tannadice's. 
Just before kick-off, United's players were amused by the unusual sight of opponents going to pray. I think one or two went in, recalled Hegarty with glee. But the majority didn't he? And then came an intervention. I must confess I went in, said McAnally. Jim McLean ordered us. It was one of these ones. All the Tims, get yourself into the chapel. Devotions declared or undeclared, the underground tunnel created a coliseum feel, even though there were only 42,000 spectators present. Up in the gods, though, United's travelling support were determined to enjoy the moment, proudly noting that there's only one team in Europe. United were set up in a 4-5-1, enabling them to break quickly through midfield. But they didn't start especially well, eventually conceding a goal when Ramon Caldera's shot hit Gallagher and flew over the line. But at half-time, McLean reassured his men that if they scored, Barcelona would panic. And they duly improved, while their hosts simply waited for the decisive goal. Except it did not come. And on 86 minutes, the superb Sturrock won a free kick down the left. Then, as Redford's cross came in, his run to the front post distracted defenders from Clark's presence at the back, and Hughes was left standing as a header was clunked home. There followed much teapotting and double teapotting, with one defender trying to drill himself through the ground before the recriminations began. They all seemed to be shouting at each other, arguing amongst themselves, said Malpass. And Gary Lineker was talking to somebody, one of our players, saying, this mob will just chuck it, and really, that's more or less what they did. So United scored again, and went through 3-1 on aggregate. In the stand, the entire club board stood dumbstruck. The mood in the changing room, meanwhile, was typically Plymouth Brethren, with John Holt, the man of the match, telling McAnally that he was thinking about joining Forfar. Are you mad? came back the response, get a grip. In the last four came Munchen Gladbach. Again, the first leg was at Tannadice, but a poor first half allowed the visitors into the tie, and a nil-nil draw left them punching the air at full time. Going about the park as if they'd already won, said Ferguson, while Sturrock's marker drew a finger across his neck. United, though, had no time to dwell on the result moving on to a cup semi against Dundee in the Barry Kitts derby. Ferguson's excellent goal gave them the lead just before the half hour, yet 12 minutes later they were behind, only for Ferguson and Hegarty to send them into the final. Ten days later, the squad travelled to West Germany, where Gladbach were unbeaten in European football since 1970. Their players predicted a 6-0 win. Before the game, McLean explained that Ferguson would play instead of Gallagher, conceding that the latter's pace would be useful if they pushed down. But he expected to face a more patient approach, hoping that we are silly. So also omitted Clark, whose long passing would be less useful without space in behind the opposing defence. Attendance at a bouncing Buchelberg stadion was boosted by 850 United fans and 1,750 squaddies who were given something to cheer on 43 minutes when United took the lead. A corner ricocheted across the box to Bannon, and he cleverly nodded down for Ferguson to power home a diving header. If United had defended stoutly in the first half... We maybe sat back a wee bit, said McLean afterwards. In the second, 
They were absolutely magnificent. But they could not take any of the chances they created until, in injury time, a punted clearance was beautifully controlled by Gallagher. Ball sent inside and man up his arse skirted outside, putting him clear down the right, while Redford gnashed through the middle. Unusually for a footballer, Redford came from a wealthy farming family, though this did not deliver him an easy life. Profoundly deaf in one ear, he played in the knowledge that a bang on the head could make him completely so, and also struggled with depression, perhaps triggered in childhood by the death of his brother. In 2014, he tragically killed himself, aged just 53. This, though, was his night. I thought, actually, for a second, he was going to try and score himself, he said. And I remember thinking, if you do that and you miss, I'm going to kill you in the dressing room after this game. But fortunately, he did the right thing and he squared it to me. And I remember the goalkeeper committed himself very early. And I just sort of popped it round the side of him, then basically just put it into an empty net. As Redford stood, arms thrown up, back arched, his teammates arrived and mayhem ensued on the touchline. We've beaten Barcelona in Barcelona and we've beaten Borussia in Germany, said McLean afterwards. So why should we fear anybody? Forgotten stories of football. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Forgotten Stories of Football Dundee United's Glory Years under Jim McLean Scotland's first UEFA Cup finalists would meet IFK Gothenburg. Competition winners in 1982, they had reached the semis of the previous season's European Cup, losing to Barcelona on penalties, and were unbeaten in 24 UEFA Cup games. In that period, they had won 8-0 away to Avenir Began, yet were still possessed of the cruelty to do them 9-0 at home, which is to say that they were no joke. And... They were also just back from their mid-season break, while United were on to their 63rd game without one. A small squad, meaning most of its members were involved most of the time. In the UEFA Cup, they used just 21 players, 19 of whom were Scots, 
20 if you include Tommy Coyne, born in Dundee but declared for the Republic of Ireland. The Ulevi Stadium, where the first leg was played, generally had a very decent pitch. But just this once, grass was sparse, following a concert given by, depending on who you ask, Bruce Springsteen, Van Halen, Rod Stewart, a Swedish rock band, or a heavy rock band. Any road up. United found it difficult to play their passing game, and were also thrown, in Redford's opinion, by the comparative lack of atmosphere in the ground. The Goths, meanwhile, were not remotely thrown by the brilliant brightness of United's tangerine, and with 38 minutes gone, Mikel Andersen's corner found Stefan Pettersson, who headed down, whereupon an extraordinary bounce relocated the ball to the roof of the net. That was the only goal of the game, meaning United returned home well in the match. They then quickly polished off their league programme, with two matches in three days, and prepared for the cup final a further three days on. In it, they would play St Mirren, without a trophy since 1959, and 24 points worse than them over the season. The players knew all about McLean's Hamden hoodoo. Under him, United had lost three Scottish Cup and three League Cup finals, but were confident nonetheless, even when the game was goalless after 90 minutes. In extra time, though, Gallagher failed to connect with a cross when standing in front of goal, the effort taking him into an offside position while Ferguson was in the process of tapping home. The ref pointed to the centre circle, only for the linesman to intervene, and two minutes later, Ian Ferguson steered home the winner for the underdogs. As for United's Ian Ferguson, his revenge came in the 1991 final, in which he scored the winner for Motherwell, against McLean's United. It was just complete mayhem after the game, recalled Malpass. It was like a league game. Jim McLean was going scatty because I think he thought this would be our big chance to win the Scottish Cup. He'd been disappointed so often. He was disappointed again. This was, without doubt, the worst Scottish Cup final ever, he said later. We were awful. I knew we would be up against it on the Wednesday against the Swedes at Tannadice. More than a few observers felt McLean's natural negativity inhibited his players. When it went to extra time, I watched Alex Smith and Jimmy Bone going round their players, clapping them on the back, encouraging, egging them on, said Jackie Copeland, who had played for United in the 70s. Then I looked over at Jim and the United players... There he was, his veins bulging, his usual finger-pointing. That was Jim. He tended to bully players into doing what he wanted them to do, when quite often a different approach might have served him better. Similarly, his superstitious nature meant that he would take the team coach on a different route to each final, also stopping at a different hotel in order to exercise the bad luck experienced during the previous visit. This cannot have been entirely helpful for his players. Professional sport does not brook contemplation of failure. McLean, though, is bullish on the point. If you ask for any less than perfection, you'll most certainly get less. We've only won three trophies, and obviously I'm supposed to have asked for perfection. I think if I'd have asked for less, then most certainly we would have lost some of the trophies we won. Back at Tannadice on the Wednesday night, the ground was packed to the gunwales and the noise was severe. 
There were only 20,000 in there, but it sounded like 100,000, said Gallagher. While a prescient banner read, No Use Crying. United were playing their 67th match of the season, still a Scottish record, and they started with weariness and trepidation, all too aware that they were close to blowing everything. Ferguson did hit the bar with a header, and Kirkwood also missed a good chance before, on 22 minutes, a well-executed Gothenburg counter left them needing to score three. Sturrock had played centre-forward in Sweden, but for the return, McLean picked him on the left wing and it made no difference whatsoever. They were just queuing up for me, he said. Two banks of four. You just couldn't break them down. On the hour, Clark pulled one back. But otherwise, United never worked up the necessary momentum, stymied without their usual away goal, then sucker-punched when Gothenburg scored one of their own. Such is the risk of a home second leg. We man, just wipe the tears away, because hopefully there'll be plenty more times for you. Glenn Hussain told Gallagher at full time. Influent Scottish, apparently. But elsewhere in the team, feelings were not so hopeful. Like a death in the family, said Holt. The older you get as a player, you realise it'll probably not happen again. And that was upsetting. So United went up to get their medals in plaintive mood. You get that close to the cup, and you can't touch it, said Bowman. You can't hold it or anything. You've just got to walk by it. But Tannadice was nowhere near done, creating a memorable night nonetheless, with both sides given a standing ovation as they performed a lap of honour. I don't think I've ever seen a crowd stand like this for a defeated side, said Peter Jones on BBC Radio 2. And FIFA agreed, awarding United its first Fair Play Award. With the £20,000 prize, they built the Fair Play Stand. Now, the Jim McLean Fair Play Stand. In the years that followed, United tailed off. Alex Ferguson had already left Scotland and Graham Souness had already arrived at Rangers. He used financial muscle and European football to lure players from south of the border. We were born too early, said Sturrock. That Dundee United team would be wiping the floor with teams at this minute in time. That's how special they were. You can't go from being a Scottish minnow to regularly playing European quarter-finals without having good players. We were regularly beating top-quality teams all over Europe on their own grounds. As for McLean, in later years, he realised his success had come at a cost. If United had lost on a Saturday, and sometimes even if they'd won, his wife would not be able to speak to him until Monday. My life was just consumed, said McLean. Honestly, I was a disgrace as a father. A disgrace, just absolutely stupid. Nor did he feel he properly appreciated the good times. I just wish I had let my hair down and enjoyed some of these victories with the players, he said. On the other hand, perhaps no manager in the history of football has owned his triumphs and failures so completely, nor delivered as many unlikely, unbelievable memories. And in the end, that is what football and life are all about. Dundee United's Glory Years under Jim McLean was written by Daniel Harris. Additional journalism by Rob Smythe. The reader was Robin Lang. Studio production by Polly Thomas. Theme music composed by Mike Payne.
Sound design by Eloise Whitmore and Tony Chernside. Forgotten Stories of Football is brought to you by The Guardian. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.